Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast, the incremental anti-diet solution for effective permanent weight loss. Primal Potential is committed to helping you overcome emotional eating, hormonal imbalances, unhealthy habits, and your dieting mindset through education and inspiration. We don't just talk about what you should eat and what you should avoid. We talk strategy. Primal Potential is bridging the gap between knowing and doing. Each episode will leave you with concrete tips for making positive changes that make a difference. Primal Potential is here to help you lose weight, get healthy, and master fat loss naturally. Well, hello, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Benton, and we are covering some great stuff this week. I am enjoying the podcast this week. Our last episode was on why calorie counting is totally misleading, and it was hugely popular. So thank you so much for your feedback. If you haven't checked that one out yet, it's episode 62, and I think most of you agreed with me that it was pretty much a game changer. So definitely check out episode 62 if you haven't already. And today we're going to be tackling something that could really easily be a Q&A episode because I probably get this question a couple of times a day, and that is about stubborn belly fat. And I hear this from people with a lot of weight to lose and people who feel like they're at a really healthy weight, but they just want to get rid of a little bit of extra fat around their midsection. And most people find, and they're right, that the midsection fat, the belly fat, is the hardest to lose. We are much more quick to lose weight in our face or our chest our arms, even our legs, but that belly fat is very stubborn. But there are some strategies that we can take to burn that belly fat, and that's what we're going to get into today. But right out of the gate, I want to be so abundantly clear about two common strategies that many of you tell me that you are working towards that do not work. They don't work in general, but specifically, they absolutely, positively, without fail, do not work for stubborn belly fat. And one of the good clue-ins to know that these two don't work is the fact that when you email, you say to me, I'm doing these two things and the belly fat won't go anywhere. Okay, so stop. It doesn't work. So you're probably wondering, okay, what are the two things that don't work? Exercising more and eating less. Honestly, they just don't work. If you decide, well, I'm just going to run for longer or I'm going to cut calories significantly, you will not find that that benefits stubborn belly fat. It just doesn't work, especially the crash dieting. Lowering your calories as low as you can stand and cutting out the dietary fat doesn't work, doesn't work, doesn't work, doesn't work. I'll say it a hundred times for stubborn belly fat. If this is the approach that you've been taking, either running more, spending more time at the gym, spending more time working out, or eating less and less, you're still going to be pinching your love handles in the morning. Sorry, wrong strategy, lack of results. We are going to be talking about why belly fat is different 
from fat on the rest of our body and how we can tackle it. I will say this, burning belly fat is entirely hormonal. We talk a lot on this show about how the state of our hormones is what turns on or off fat burning in a presence with a moderate calorie deficit. And there are some key hormones that we talk about here. The hormone game is 100% more important when we're talking about stubborn fat than it is even in overall fat loss, and it's pretty important there too. So let's do a quick recap of the key hormones we talk most about when it comes to burning fat. Insulin, cortisol, glucagon. Insulin, our major storage hormone. It is an anabolic hormone that responds to the presence of fuel in the body, right? When we eat, especially carbs, and to a lesser extent, protein. Insulin doesn't respond too much to fat intake, but it definitely does to carbs and to protein. And it takes that fuel from what we eat, and whatever isn't immediately needed for energy for the body, because say we're actively moving or we're exercising or we're being chased by a bear, um, it's going to find a storage space for whatever is not immediately needed. Short-term storage space, and again, this is all just review, is going to be your muscle tissue or your liver. And then for longer-term storage and excess, that will be converted to and stored as body fat, right? Insulin sends the message to the rest of the body, hey, we've got fuel, I'm busy trying to put it someplace, no need for more. And therefore, the presence of insulin circulating in our system disallows fat burning because fat burning only happens when A, your body needs more fuel than what you're providing via what you eat, and B, the hormonal environment is right. You need both of those, right? Part of that hormonal environment is going to be low insulin. Cortisol is another major player in the game. Extra, extra important when we're talking about stubborn belly fat, okay? Cortisol is a stress hormone, and it tends to get a bad rap just like insulin, but both of these hormones, when controlled, actually help us to be healthy and lean and burn excess body fat. Because remember, just going back to insulin for a second, without insulin, you can't deliver fuel throughout your body for growth and repair and healing. And cortisol, too, when managed properly, helps us. It can even facilitate fat burning and helps regulate our sleep cycle. But most of us who are overstressed have chronically elevated cortisol, right, from either too much exercise, crash dieting, high-carb diets, emotional stress, physical stress. This compounds the fat-storing impact of insulin. No bueno, right? When cortisol is high for short durations, tiny little spikes in cortisol, and when that happens in the presence of low insulin, that's great for fat burning, right? When we have a mild, short, acute spike in cortisol, then we can have a really great environment for releasing fat from our fat cells. But typically, we have chronically elevated cortisol, cortisol that gets high and stays high, and oftentimes that in the, is in the presence of high insulin because of our crappy diet, and that is a recipe for fat storing. Then there's glucagon. Little recap here on glucagon. Glucagon is like insulin's alter ego, right? 
Whereas insulin is fuel delivery and storage, glucagon is fuel release and burning. They work like a seesaw. When insulin is low and the body has a need for fuel beyond what you provide it via what you eat, glucagon is the hormone that allows fat to be released from your body fat and burned as energy, right, to fuel your body. So these are three hormones that we talk about most when we're talking about creating a environment that allows for fat burning. When we don't have balances here with insulin and cortisol and glucagon, we just can't burn fat. You just can't. You can lose weight. You can shed water and you can burn your precious metabolically active muscle tissue, but you will not be burning fat or changing the shape of your body. Now, we know we need hormone balance for fat loss, right? And we've gone into that in a whole lot of detail on this podcast, and I go into a ton of detail on hormones and fat loss and the ebook about hormone strategies for fat loss, which is up on primalpotential.com. Let's arbitrarily call the degree of hormone balance that we need for overall fat burning, say a six or a seven on a scale of one to 10 of like total optimal hormone balance, right? Well, when we talk about belly fat or stubborn body fat, that takes our need for hormone balance to the next level. We need a higher degree of hormone balance to get rid of that belly fat because it is much more significantly ruled, controlled, and regulated by our hormones than fat in other regions of our body is. So if for overall fat loss, we need that six or a seven on a scale of one to 10 of hormone balance for stubborn fat, for the belly fat, we're talking like an eight. We have got to focus on hormone balance more than ever to target that stubborn belly fat. And you guys know that I'm a huge fan of the 80-20 rule. In fact, I've done an entire episode on the 80-20 rule, this universal principle that basically demonstrates that 80% of our results come from just 20% or less of our efforts. So we can do less, work more, put forth less effort, and when we're focused on the right things, we can see more results. And this is true in almost all things universally. It's especially true with hormone balance because all of our hormones work together. Together. They all influence each other. So when we focus on a strategy to improve one, it has a beneficial impact on the others. And that is awesome because when we start by focusing on the big three that I just mentioned, it helps bring all of our hormones, our entire hormonal system, the endocrine system, into a higher degree of balance. And that's fantastic. So I don't want anybody to feel overwhelmed by like, oh, there's all these moving parts, all these hormones, all these enzymes. When we focus on one strategy to say improve insulin balance, that has a trickle down effect on all of our other hormones because they work together with each other. Now, there are some other hormones that become a big part of the equation when we're talking about stubborn belly fat, okay? And again, I just want to draw your attention to if this is an issue for you, I think you would hugely benefit from the Hormones and Fat Loss ebook that's up on primalpotential.com because it goes through hormone by hormone and talks specifically about diet and lifestyle strategies to bring those hormones into balance. And since stubborn belly fat is totally a hormonal game, it is not going to respond to crash dieting or over-exercising, that might be something for you to really check out. One of the big players for both men and women when it comes to the stubborn belly fat is going to be estrogen. Now, when we're talking about women, 
estrogen naturally fluctuates throughout your menstrual cycle and can work both for you and against you, okay? Estrogen helps to increase your sensitivity to insulin. That's a good thing. That makes you more tolerant to carbohydrates because insulin is going to respond more quickly, do its job more efficiently in the presence of higher estrogen so you can get back to fat burning mode more quickly. This works in your favor, especially in the first half of your menstrual cycle. From the first day of menstruation, the first day of your period through ovulation or the midpoint of your cycle. Then your estrogen drops off and you should be a little bit more careful about your carb consumption during the second half of your cycle, okay? The other little group of hormones that are really important, especially when talking about stubborn belly fat, are going to be catecholamines. Now, you've probably more commonly heard them referred to as adrenaline and noradrenaline. These are triggered especially by high-intensity, short-duration types of workouts, and they really create a favorable environment for fat burning, especially stubborn fat. But a word of warning here from all you overachievers, Okay, more is not more. When you think, oh, well, a little bit of high intensity exercise must be good, then a lot must be better, right? But that's the thing about high intensity workouts. When you do it right, you cannot sustain it for a long period of time. And that's a good thing because when you when you switch over to the moderate intensity, which is the only thing sustainable for a longer period of time, if you're truly doing high intensity, you cannot you cannot maintain that high intensity for a long period of time. So when you cross over that threshold to moderate intensity, long duration, you're not getting this beneficial catecholamine release of a adrenaline and noradrenaline, you're getting cortisol, a major stress response that goes from an acute stress response with the catecholamines to a chronic stress response that is actually unfavorable. It makes your body hold on to this stubborn body fat. So again, more is not more. Dismount the treadmill, jogging queen. Dismount. It's time. All right. Let's get into the nitty gritty a little bit. If you Google belly fat, which is how so many people learn about all of these things and confuse themselves with misinformation and over-information and distract themselves from action, but that's a whole nother soapbox. If you Google belly fat, you're going to quickly see that there is a differentiation between two different types of belly fat. And it's pretty easy to understand which one you have or if you have both. And the reason I draw attention to this is because they respond to different things and you tackle them differently. The two types are going to be subcutaneous and visceral. Those are the two different types of belly fat. And subcutaneous basically means under the skin. Your subcutaneous fat, you can grab it, you can pinch it. I'm doing it right now to myself. It's really not pleasant. But anyway, you can grab it, you can pinch it, okay? Visceral fat, you cannot. It is below your muscle tissue. It's underneath that, okay? So if you feel like you have, you know, a really lean midsection, but your your gut protrudes a little bit, it kind of pushes out, that is likely visceral fat. Visceral fat is underneath your abdominal muscles, and it is much more dangerous from a health perspective because it is wrapped around and between your internal organs, okay? But cosmetically, most people are more concerned with the subcutaneous fat because that's what they're grabbing and pinching and have spilling over their pants. For better or for worse, the visceral fat 
the kind that you cannot grab or pinch, is more responsive and easier to burn because it has more blood flow than the subcutaneous fat because it's closer to the centralized part of your body, right? It's closer to your organs, closer to where the blood is naturally flowing. Your subcutaneous fat, the stuff you can pinch that hangs out over your belly or over your pants, um, is, is not as rich with blood supply. And remember from our The Science of Fat Loss episode a few weeks ago, blood flow is one of the critical, critical, critical parts of fat burning. The fat has to travel through the blood once released from the cell in the adipose tissue to be burned in another cell. So blood flow is really, really important. Okay. To burn that subcutaneous fat, the stuff you can pinch that's right below the skin, you must seek hormone balance and you must make some dietary shifts to foods that bring about hormone balance. You are not going to burn off that subcutaneous belly fat no matter how much you run on the treadmill. It just doesn't respond that way. I'm so sorry. I wish it did, but it doesn't. And the reason for that is is largely related to insulin. And this might seem counterintuitive and opposite to the different insulin things we've talked about in the past. So I'm going to go through this slowly. We're going to work through it together and make sure we're all on the same page. All right. We talk a lot about insulin sensitivity and insulin resistance. And in general, we talk about how we want to be insulin sensitive and how insulin resistance is a bad thing, right? Totally right. We're on the same page so far. When we are sensitive to insulin, our insulin receptors are going to respond quickly and they're going to allow insulin to do its job quickly and efficiently, deliver those nutrients so that we can have insulin go back down because its job is done and we can get back to fat burning mode, right? If we're insulin resistant, the body has to produce more insulin and it takes a larger amount of insulin, a longer time to do its job and deliver those nutrients so insulin stays elevated for longer and we're out of fat burning mode for longer. We're all on the same page there, okay? But that is the macro view. That is the big picture view of insulin sensitivity and resistance in the overall body, okay? But to tackle stubborn belly fat, we have to zoom in a little bit. We have to take a bit more of a micro view. We are looking just at our fat tissue. And so the insulin story is a little bit different within the fat tissue. So hang with me here while we go through this and make sense of it. When we're looking at subcutaneous belly fat, that belly fat that we can pinch and grab, it is more sensitive to insulin than other types of fat throughout the rest of the body, okay? It is more insulin sensitive. That actually makes it harder to get rid of, okay? We actually want our fat cells and just our fat cells. Remember, we're taking the micro view here. We're zooming into the body fat tissue, especially the stubborn body fat around the midsection. We want our fat cells to be resistant to insulin. We want our body fat cells and just our body fat cells to be resistant to insulin. But this stubborn fat around the midsection is more sensitive to insulin. Here's why that's a problem. Just think about it for a second. Insulin is a storage hormone, right? It takes the excess fuel from what we eat and it stores it. In our fat cells, that's taking fat 
fat and packing it into our fat cells. We don't want that to happen. We want our muscle and our liver to be very responsive to insulin. Store it all over there in the short-term storage spaces that we can easily and readily access, right? We don't want there to be leftovers spilling into our fat tissue. We don't want our fat cells to be like, hey, yeah, come on in, pack it in, let's get bigger. No, no, we want big old do not enter signs on our fat cells. Okay, so it doesn't help us that this subcutaneous fat is responsive to insulin. We don't want that. We want our fat cells to be insulin resistant to a degree. Metabolic effect, who I've I've mentioned to you guys before, I'm going to link to them over on the show notes at primalpotential.com for this episode. They have a little cheat sheet, right, that proves the point that we can have different degrees of insulin responsivity. Is that even a word? Responsiveness, responsivity, it's a word now. Um, We can have different degrees of responsiveness to insulin in different tissues, and that's actually what we want and need to be healthy. And I'm going to put this little description in the show notes on primalpotential.com with a link over to metabolic effect because I think they have a really great way of explaining it. So globally, right, from our whole body perspective, we want to be very sensitive to insulin. So insulin is efficient and effective and does its job fast, right? But in our fat tissue we want to be slightly resistant to insulin, okay? And it gives this great breakdown of all the different tissues in our body. When we are sensitive to insulin in our brain tissue, that shuts off hunger quickly. When we have insulin resistance in the brain, we are hungrier for longer. We don't have that shut off mechanism. In the liver, when we are highly sensitive to insulin, we produce less new glucose, right? That's a good thing, right? But when we are resistant to insulin, we are pumping out more and more glucose, raising our blood sugar. No bueno, bad news. In our muscle tissue, when we are sensitive to insulin, we take it up quick, we take up glucose really quickly and we store it there. But when we are resistant to insulin in the muscle tissue, We have an inability to burn fat because we have insulin hanging around trying to do its storage job for a long time and we can't clear it quickly or easily. In the fat cell is where it gets different, okay? When we are sensitive to insulin in our fat tissue, we have more fat storage. But when we are resistant to insulin in the fat tissue, we have less fat storage. So we want that different degree of insulin response in our fat tissue. We're going to talk more about that, but I think it's an important distinction and it helps us understand, A, why stubborn body fat is stubborn. It is stubborn because it is more responsive to insulin and B, it emphasizes the point that we will not burn that stubborn belly fat unless we change the way we eat to control our insulin response. Do you hear me there? Because if you're constantly elevating insulin, you will not get responsiveness from that stubborn body fat. It is just going to keep on welcoming body fat into those uh, abdominal regions. And even if you're not putting on weight, it is going to prevent you from burning it. All right. So before we get into practical implementation and what you should be doing to get rid of that stubborn fat, let's take a second and stay in science mode and explain why this fat is less responsive. We just talked about one reason with the insulin sensitivity. 
We're going to go into a few more reasons. And again, we talked about some of this stuff in the science of fat loss episode. So that might be a good refresher to go back to. And I will link to it in the show notes for this episode over on primalpotential.com. So we all agree that hormones and enzymes are the key players in the fat burning game or the fat storage game, okay? And fat burning is controlled largely by an enzyme known as hormone-sensitive lipase. And we've talked about that in the Science of Fat Loss episode. But what hormone-sensitive lipase does is it releases fat from your fat cells so it can be burned. And this enzyme is ruled by cellular receptors, little thingies that get the message and instruct this enzyme, hormone-sensitive lipase, to do its job so that it can set for set fat free, say that five times fast, set fat free so that it can be burned. And these cellular receptors are super, super important. They are what receive the initial message to allow these enzymes to take action and release the fat like free willy. Yes, a whale pun is totally intended because if you can't have fun with this, what's the point? So anyway, Like we've talked about in a bunch of episodes in the past now, we are like on the magic school bus. I hope you remember those books because otherwise that just sounds really lame, but magic school bus, good books. We are in our fat tissue where we have these super important cellular receptors. And maybe you remember from the previous episode that these cellular receptors are called adrenergic receptors. And there's two different types of them, alpha and beta, okay? And when it comes to your belly fat or burning fat in general, alpha are the bad guys. Beta are the good guys. The alpha receptors are like the molasses of fat burning. They slow it down. The beta are the good guys. They speed it up. The more of the beta receptors, the more we're in the business of fat burning. Burn, baby, burn. But the more alpha, the more of a drag, the more we slow down and inhibit fat burning. Now, go figure, women have way more of the alpha adrenergic receptors, the molasses of fat loss, slowing it down in the lower half of their body. In fact, the um, lower body fat in women has about 10 times more of these alpha adrenergic receptors that block it, that slow it down than men do. Go figure. But stubborn body fat in both men and women has more of the alpha adrenergic receptors that slow down fat burning. Now the beta, they're the good guys, right? They are the ones that speed up the release of fat from the fat cells so it can go off and be burned. But back to insulin, Insulin messes with your beta receptors. We want these beta receptors to be like firing on all cylinders because they allow fat release, but insulin impairs their ability. It blocks them. It slows them down, which is yet another reason why the best thing we can do is to control our diet to manage our insulin response, okay? So as we transition into practical implementation, we have to keep a few things in mind. Number one, we need more blood flow to these areas of stubborn body fat and high-intensity interval training is a great way to increase blood flow. Number two, we need to control insulin. In a bazillion ways, insulin impairs fat burning, including by impeding the function of these beta receptors that we need to have available and ready so that they can allow fat to be released from the cell. All right, let's rein it in here with some practical implementation for burning the stubborn belly fat. 
Number one, it is all about what you eat, period, okay? I really recommend that if you are struggling with stubborn belly fat to follow the golden rules of carbs and fat loss, which I have talked about on this episode and a lot on the blog, you want to eat your carbs at the right time. When you're shooting for fat loss, that needs to be later in the day, either post-workout or dinnertime meal. You want to eat the right type of carbohydrate, carbohydrates that are not going to over-exaggerate your insulin response. So whole foods, fruits, potatoes, sweet potato, not processed foods. You want to eat them in the right amount. Start with a half a cup at your dinnertime meal, monitor your results, and then you can tweak up or down from there based on your body, your activity level, and your hormone balance. And then in the right company, we don't want to eat carbs on their own because when we do that and we don't have anything to slow their metabolism like fat or protein, what happens is it has more of a response from blood sugar and insulin. So we want to make sure that either fat or protein is accompanying those carbohydrates. The second thing we want to do is minimize processed foods, period. They have a much more significant impact on blood sugar and therefore are going to elevate insulin more and we are going to be out of fat burning mode because of all the myriad of ways that insulin impairs our ability to burn fat, okay? We really want to emphasize vegetables, non-starchy vegetables, fat and protein. And speaking of fat, really emphasize your essential fatty acids, things like omega-3s. And wild-caught salmon is a great way to do this, or sardines, or even a high-quality omega-3 supplement, because these essential fatty acids get incorporated into your cell membrane And the quality of fat in the cell membrane is going to improve your responsiveness to insulin, which from a global perspective, remember, we really want. We also must, must, must avoid elevating cortisol and insulin at the same time. One of the best ways to do this is to avoid the carbs in the morning. Remember that cortisol is a stress hormone, and when cortisol and insulin are high at the same time, this is a recipe for fat storage, and it completely disallows fat burning. Cortisol is naturally highest in the morning as part of your sleep-wake cycle to get you up and get you moving. So we do not, under any circumstances, want to elevate insulin in the morning unless it is immediately post-workout. All right, we want to skip the high sugar pre-workout drinks because that is going to elevate insulin right before we elevate cortisol with a workout. And then we really need to monitor stress and emphasize stress reduction. If you have stubborn belly fat, you will not make much progress without addressing stress. So when we over react about silly things in life and are constantly emotionally stressing ourselves out because we get upset over everything that goes wrong, ask yourself, is this really worth it? Am I going to care in a week or five weeks or five months or five years? Pick your battles. Take a deep breath. Speaking of deep breaths, meditation is a fantastic way to manage your, your stress response. And this is not about just feeling good. This is about lowering cortisol. You must be in a state of balance with your stress hormones to allow your body to burn that stubborn fat. Leisure walking is another great way to tackle this uh, belly fat because it does two things. Number one, it enhances blood flow. And number two, it lowers cortisol. So you get a couple of bangs for your buck, okay? 
you absolutely have to prioritize sleep. And I know not everyone is in a place where they can imp- uh, increase the quantity of sleep they can get, but everyone can improve the quality of sleep. And that's a big part of the game. And I did an entire episode on sleep strategies. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes over on primalpotential.com. And the last thing as it relates to tackling stubborn belly fat is going to be to exercise intelligently. If you are worried about burning stubborn fat, stop with the chronic cardio, the hour-long runs or, you know, an hour on the elliptical or whatever. If you love to run, run. But if you're frustrated because you have this stubborn fat that you can't get rid of, consider the fact that the long-duration moderate to high-intensity exercise is elevating your cortisol and that disallows the burning of this stubborn fat. Fat. A few times a week, look to do high-intensity interval training to create that hormonal response you want with the catecholamines without the exaggerated cortisol response from a chronic stressor on the body, which is the sort of traditional cardio workouts. Now, I will say if you are not yet ready to hit the gym, that's fine. You can tackle stubborn body fat without the gym component, but it is another element to add if and when you have the nutrition and the stress diet. In Focus on those two things first. That's where you'll see the majority of your results. If you have questions about this, hit me up on email. If you are not on the Primal VIP email mailing list yet, why not? Come hang out with me. Head over to primalpotential.com. Right on the homepage, you can put in your name and your email address. That gives you immediate access to my inbox where I respond to all the emails. So head on over there. If there's something that was unclear, you want more information on, you just want to tell me how wonderful I am, that's totally cool too. Head over, get on the email list so that we can get to know each other a little bit better. And I will see you guys guys in a couple days with another episode. Talk to you then.